Welcome back to part two of our conversation with designated drinker, Dr. John Edward Hassey, jazz author and curator for the Smithsonian National Museum of American History. So if you've missed part one, you're going to want to belly back up to that bar and give it a listen first. We promise to save you a seat right here. Right here. Yes. Looking right at you. Two okay. eyes. Two dragon eyes on you. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know what dragon eyes are, you need to go back to part one. <laughs> Um, so, John, um, in part one, you shared with us your early days uh, coming up in that musical space of yours and through college and being a part of the Smithsonian, curating some amazing jazz artifacts. Um, and I'd really love for now for us to jump in in part two and talk about jam, talk about Jazz Appreciation Month. What was the inspiration behind that? Well, it was the late 90s. And I was acutely aware that jazz was not getting the respect that it deserved. And uh, lots of colleges and universities didn't even teach it. It wasn't considered worthwhile of study. It was excluded from a lot of concert halls. And um, I thought back to Black History Month. And when I researched it, I found out that it began in 1922 as Negro History Week. Wow. And then after something like 50 years was expanded to a whole month and the name was changed. And even my daughter knew about it because it was brought up in school. So I thought, hmm, what if we had a month for jazz? And it got into the schools, into libraries, into public radio stations, etc. It could give the music more visibility, recognition, and prestige. So uh, it took a couple of years, but um, I finally got the uh, museum to bless it. And that happened when the chair of the National Endowment for the Arts gave it a discretionary chairman's grant. And once it had some outside money, then the Smithsonian <laughs> decided to take it more seriously. And um, they blessed it. And I asked the State Department if they'd like to get behind it. They did. Wow. The Defense Department, because the, the Army, the Navy, and the Air Force each have superb jazz bands. Mm -hmm. Uh, we got the uh, Arts Endowment involved and a couple of other organizations, including the Music Educators Association. And then each year, um, oh, we announced it in July 2001 with Quincy Jones. Wow. To bless it and uh, endorse it. And then the first actual jam was held in April 2002. So now it's been going for 20, over 20 years. Wow. And it's celebrated in all 50 states and at least 40 countries around the world. The museum has issued over 2 million posters sent to schools, libraries, uh, U.S. embassies abroad. Um, Laura Bush mentioned it from the stage in the White House. It's been mentioned um, uh, on the stage of the Kennedy Center. You know, it's, it's really wonderfully accepted. And um, I'm, I'm proud of all the people who have gotten behind it. Talk about leaving a legacy. Good Lord. I know, we're I thought, I thought Brewers on the Block was an accomplishment. That thing sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I have a beer festival. That thing's terrible. Oh my God. I'm gonna go to the White House and be a like, Kamala. Could you just talk about Brewers on the Block for a second? I don't even know. No, just kidding. Just, just kidding. <laughs> That must fill your heart with pride. I mean, to know that you are able to to share such amazing music and such, to your point, an American treasure mm -hmm. 
broadly and not, I mean, within our borders, which is sad that it took, it takes, it took that much for it to come to light, but fortunately you did so, but then to take it well beyond our borders, that's amazing. Well, it's been, it's been so gratifying to see people get behind it and all sorts of schools have scheduled programs. Now, a lot of these programs fly below the radar of Google because Google doesn't usually pick up uh, yeah. a program at a grade school, a yeah. middle, middle school or high school for the students and maybe the parents. Um, but a lot of libraries put out books in, in April to encourage people to uh, check these books out, books on jazz. Uh, public radio stations recognize it and uh, a whole, something like 80 radio public service announcements. PSAs have been yeah. taped with everybody from Carlos Santana uh, to... Uh, Herbie Hancock, Wynton Marsalis have, wow. have gotten behind it. So it's uh, it's been um, it's been really gratifying to see this. I bet. How does it kick off in D.C.? Tell us, like, if you're listening to this show and you're here in D.C., like, like what, like, what should you be doing? Well, uh, you you'd hear it mentioned on um, promoted on WPFW, the um, Jazz and Justice Station. You'd come over to the Smithsonian and hear the Smithsonian Jazz Masterworks Orchestra perform. Wow. You could go to smithsonianjazz.org and um, download the latest poster and a booklet of 113 ways to celebrate <laughs> Jazz Appreciation Month and uh, other information. And there are all the previous posters, everybody from Ella to Louis Armstrong to Duke Ellington, Dave Brubeck, um, Mary Lou Williams, uh, Nina Simone, Ooh, yes, I love uh, Nina Simone, and on and on. You can download these posters and, and print them out uh, at your home or school or office. Oh, that's really that's, that's nice. That's really cool. Smithsonianjazz.org. That's that's amazing, right? Like yeah. usually, tell well. I mean, I don't know if my kids' school does. I don't think they do that. I live in Frederick now. We used to live in DC, and DC was a little different. Yeah. But definitely in Frederick, they're like, maybe. Yeah. I was going to say something mean, and I decided not to. Yeah. <laughs> you could you can let that air. <laughs> Frederick County Schools need to do more for the arts. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, anyway. Yeah. Do you think that, um, not to take it, turn it negative to you, but do you think that the, the amount of effort that you, it took for you to make jazz come to the forefront, that it was, to your point, was overlooked, not taught, do you think that was mostly mostly racially motivated? Were these that? Do you think that's what it was that kept it from coming to the forefront and getting its stage that it deserved? I think that's been a big part of, part of it historically, especially in the earlier years of the 20th century. I think less so now, but still, I think that's that, that is a part of it, and um, it's something that a lot of classical musicians, historically anyway, have not really understood. It seemed uh, too mysterious. The notes aren't written down well. How, how can you really understand this? And in the old days, somebody might have said, would you want your daughter to marry a jazz musician? <laughs> because, you know, back in the swing era, it was a, it was a tough way to make a living. Sure. You know, it was um, late nights, uh, um, touring, um, lack of home life for those musicians who were touring, the temptations of alcohol, sometimes drugs, and... Uh, it was it was a really tough life, and you didn't necessarily have tenure with the band you were in. Yeah, you could be out on your on your took us butt, just <laughs> like that, you know. So, uh, but it's um, it, it's gotten um, it has more acceptance than it than it did way back then, and I'm glad to see it. But still, 
there are probably half of American colleges and universities that don't teach it. So wow. I, think, I think it has a long ways to go still. Wow. So uh, speaking of gin joints. All the gin joints in the world, Louise. <laughs> Why don't we belly up to yours? Okay, let's go. All right, let's do it. You know, one thing I love about um, playing to Red Jazz and all of that is, you know, that for me, that's a gin error, right? Like if you take your music, I take it in uh, cocktails, like what was popular and like you had, you know, whiskey, gin, Geneva, and like that hooch was really important to um, that time. So I kind of wanted to honor both. So what we're gonna do is make a cocktail. We're gonna do one non-alcoholic, then it's really fun. And then we'll do one with alcohol. So uh, we'll do one with the forger's gin and then we'll do one without. But what we're doing here is using the uh, Loganberry, which is to me like one of the, um, it's like a really like musky tart berry. It's not quite as sweet as on um, say a lychee. Um, they look very similar. And a lot of times, you know, so a lot of times there'll be this black pit inside and you'll, you'll look at it and you'll be like, oh, you're like, you know, it looks like an, an eye, right? They call it the dragon's eye. And I thought how fitting for something to be the dragon's eye. It sounds very chatty, dragon eye, you know? I don't know. I don't know. They're all kind of freaking work. For me, I'm, I've been to some dark, you know, amazing bar in, you know, lower Manhattan. And we're actually, we more closer up in Manhattan. And, you know, and, and like nobody to this place was happening. And, all of the velvet curtains and everything. So in here I have um, three of the linen wares. I'm just squishing them down. And if you're um, doing it at home, you can smell it. It actually has this really um, almost like muscadine smell to it. It's really um, interesting. It's a little sweet, but mostly tart, more like a lemon. So we're gonna um, mix that with uh, lime, fresh lime juice. And you know, I always tell everybody on the show, people have seen the show all these years, it's like, if you forget, your juicer, a fork, and a, a fork and a palm will work just as well. So I so forgot my juicer today. It's like jazz, right? You improvise. You improvise, you improvise. <laughs> Still makes the music, right? All right. All right, so we're gonna do the fresh lime juice and we add the lugenberry in there. Sorry for my wiggle here. It's gonna take a little bit longer than normal. These are with a little bit different yogurt, the same yield of aftercrafts. So what you're looking for is one ounce of lime juice. So if you have this pre-squeeze, it's one ounce of lime juice per drink. So I'm just gonna um, do this again by hand. So um, I always say fresh is best. Is that a new or fresh though? You know, sometimes it tastes just a little bit longer. Anyway, so we got, um, and yeah, so again, we have two little berries. We muddled them. Now we're putting one ounce of lime juice per drink um, in there. And now we're gonna add up a rice wine vinegar simple syrup. It is technically a shrub, but shrub is when you put fruit in something and let it sit in vinegar and then you make it into um, something with sugar, right? This is rice wine vinegar and sugar. And then you put a little bit of cardamom and anise in there. And I love using vinegars in drinks, you know, it's just really nice, especially at this time of year, you want to brighten things up. So for each drink, we're going to put in um, one ounce. And, you know, rice wine vinegar is really lovely in its own, like, accord. It's just, you know, it's quite great. If you're going to do this drink with um, gin, you can use an egg white. If you don't have to use an egg white, it's optional. Kind of make it like a flip. If you're going to do it non-alcoholic, which we are going to do uh, today, and then we'll do yours, Liz. Um, you just want to, like, you know, you leave that out. You can add soda water to it. You can keep it short. And if you have a fresh ice, it is just made to be a refresher. Something very 
See, now that's music to my ears. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Remind you of maracas? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You could get a job with a Latin jazz band. Right? <laughs> I know, right? You know, we say that, you know, the best the best bar jazz is how you could hear the rhythm, right? Yeah. All right, so we have all that in there, so we are going to just make sure that you don't get a bunch of um, salad in your drink. And we're going to pour them on top. And then we're going to add the gin to Louise's because I don't have two jiggers. And I was going to put a pop of soda water on the top of yours for the non-alcoholic, and then Louise will add the gin too. Um, and then, you know, I just, there's something really lovely about, um, you know, fresh and springtime and, you know, April, and I wanted to finish water that would put some kind of fresh flowers in there. And I feel like we're going to do some baby marigolds for you. And they're really beautiful. And then we'll do it all. And they're out of a little bit of my fave. Want a little bit of purple. I'm like, just, you know, fit that time of year. And there we go. So that's our non-alcoholic. Thank you. And then, you know, for my little cocktail kitten over here, we're going to add a little bit of gin to it. And, then we it. and we're using a forager's gin, which is very floral. So now, when you have yours in there, I, I don't really recommend soda water with it. Uh, if you have the gin in it, you don't need it. Um, and then also a really fun thing is if you don't have a lot of flowers and you have to be rotten, Something else you can do is you split them and you just give them a little sprinkle. I really love edible flowers. This barrage has a little bit of a, um, a really beautiful cucumber finger jar. Thank you. Some cheers. 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 I mean, new fancy glasses, everybody, if you're watching. Oh, that's delicious. Oh, now for cute level. Really nice. Gina, this drink is delicious. Oh my gosh, this is, this is great. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, of course. One of your ingredients reminds me of that old jazz song, Scotch and Soda, Jigger a Gin. <laughs> Make mine two jiggers, please. I, uh, <laughs> I love that. No, I was saying that. So um, you did make this music man sing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I, w I was saying that, um, you know, really like this music, the like music and cocktails is very, very important, right? Every time you make like different cocktails or experience, like the music is like, like, right on so when we were talking about jazz i was like oh it's got to be gin yeah it can't be anything else it has to be gin it could be it could have been like geneva but it's just another type of gin really right, right. the bowls right yeah. everyone will say the bowls yeah. right. so you'll hear that in songs it'll it'll show up all of a sudden they'll be like you know fit the bowls or something yeah and that's just um and it's geneva so or you know a, a, a primitive form of gin before you know, gin got fancy you know the first place i had Geneva was at Tails, which is in New Orleans, in New Orleans, which of course, you know, it's a great place for jazz as well. hundred percent. Yeah. Jazz never died in New Orleans, right? <laughs> no, we it got did. It. Yeah. It did. Because I mean, like, I could not even imagine that. I love everything about, like, going out to um, anywhere in New Orleans. It's like oh. the music is unre it's unreal. And it's my favorite city to eat in in all of North America. Oh my gosh, the yeah. food. Yeah. And you've got those festivals that not only the Jazz Fest in April and May, but the French Quarter Festival, yes. all over the French Quarter in April, and then in the summer, the Satchmo Summerfest, named for Louis Armstrong. Oh. I didn't know that. When yeah. is that? I believe it's the beginning of August. It's a miserable I was <laughs> like, time to be there. It is. The festival is great. Oh, uh, that's when Tales of the Cocktail is. It's right before in the last week of July. So I understand misery and sweat. <laughs> yes. Right. 
but I also think I would love a Louis Armstrong. Well, next right? time we do it, maybe we should stay longer. Yeah, I yeah, love I love a little Louis. Yeah, you know? who doesn't? I mean, <laughs> come on. And Louis one of my favorite words to say. Just I don't know why. <laughs> Yeah, you have the Louis Vuitton, or you have Louis Armstrong, whatever. <laughs> I'm good with the loose. Well, you hang out with this one. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I got you, I got them all around. Um, so Gina, where are they gonna go for this recipes? So if you want the recipe for a cocktail, yes. uh, you're gonna go to Designated Drinker Dot Show, um, and then you know for the tips and tricks and everything. Again, you'll go to Designated Drinker Dot Show. And um, there is where we will tell you how to pair music. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> enjoy your music and your cocktails together. Yeah, because yeah, those those cocktails are music to my also, ears, remember? Yes, and also how to get to jam. Yes, right? how to get some information on jam. Yeah. Um, what's going on in... Uh, I'm sure if we get you to the Smithsonian website, correct, we'll be able to get information from about everything that's going on. Yeah? SmithsonianJazz.org. There we go. So if you uh, can always just go down to the episode notes for that, too. Uh, you scroll down. We'll make sure we have live links for that. And uh, if you can't get to the website, it's a cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater way to get there. Yeah, fabulous. <laughs> jazz hands. Big jazz hands. <laughs> the other day when we were talking, John, you told me about um, your days at the State Department and how you traveled around the world and lectured about jazz. And you shared a little uh, Hello, Dolly story with me. Would you share that again? Sure, Louise. Um, I was in South Africa about uh, 12 years ago, lecturing for the U.S. Embassy there. And uh, one of the audiences was a group of township boys who had taken a bus or a couple of hours from their township to hear a talk on Louis Armstrong. And these, these were very poor townships, uh, dirt floors, uh, no running water. And I was, I was honored that these young men would come to hear about Louis Armstrong. And when I played a recording of Louis Armstrong singing Hello, Dolly, a whole section of the boys started singing along. They knew the music and they knew the lyrics. This great artist, Louis Armstrong, had transcended the years, the oceans, the languages, uh, the cultures, all that, uh, and, and the decades. And these, these young people knew his music. I was blown away by that. That is kind of amazing, though, right? I think... You know, music is one thing, you know, you can't, you can just, you hear it, right? It doesn't have to travel with, it's not like you have to pack it in a bag. It's something that now, now is even more so. Yeah. You know, it just could be, every, you can listen to every single kind of, you know, music. And, and there is music for everybody. I don't, I don't know anybody that's like, I can't stand noise. Right. Right. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's very like, I don't know, it's just, um, it's a, that's incredible though, like, to think about like that moment, right? It's like when you go to another country and someone knows the songs, right? Or vice versa. Something like that happened in Alexandria, Egypt. Uh, again, I was lecturing on Louis Armstrong, who had been there decades before, many decades before, and performed, well, had tooted his horn <laughs> in a publicity photo up at the Sphinx. Um, <laughs> and uh, I gave my talk, and afterwards, uh, a much older woman uh, dressed in traditional um, Muslim garb with a headscarf came down. She didn't speak a word of English, and I don't know how she knew what I'd said, but she evidently enjoyed the video clips. And she just had one word to say to me. She said, sucra, which is the Arabic word for sugar. And I didn't take that as a compliment to me, but as to Louis Armstrong. He yeah. spoke to her, again, across the decades, the cultures, the languages, the miles. It was uh, another wonderful moment. Absolutely. Amazing. Such amazing life. It's an amazing life. So speaking of your amazing life, 
What would your life soundtrack sound like? What would be on there? How many? How many, <laughs> how many pieces can I choose? <laughs> That's a good one. That's yeah. a hard question. Well, to make it short, I would certainly choose uh, Louis Armstrong and Duke Ellington. Yeah. Ella Fitzgerald would be on there. Frank Sinatra, Ray Charles, Aretha Franklin. Um, I'd have me some Beethoven and Chopin. Um, probably some Gershwin. Um, that's that's that would be the starting point. Wow, wow. Gershwin is a very um, for me. He's very New York, right? Like yeah, I yeah. feel like I'm very fortunate to have grown up in in New York and a good New York kid or anybody in the, in the boroughs or even Long Island, you will know who Gershwin is obviously because of the theater. And like you take it for granted here because, you know, in New York as a kid, that's where you went as like on your school field trips. You went to the, to the theater, you listened to music, you know, you did those things. And then like you're here and like my kids like just saw their first Broadway show. And they didn't understand. I was like, oh, this is where they used to have cats and blah, blah, blah. And my, 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 sister, my kids are like, what are you talking about, mom? It's <laughs> cats. Cats. <laughs> and they're just staring at me. They're like, that movie? I'm like, ew, no, not the movie. Not the movie. <laughs> and, um, you know, you find it, uh, you know, like I, I just, I don't know. I find it to be fascinating, like that kind of, um, like just how to like incorporate it back into everyone's life. For me, for bartenders, it's easy. You can ask any bartender all your playlists right now, and they can tell you like at least one song by each person sure, because sure. they're so busy curating like how your experience is when you're drinking, right. and it loops every hour as the change of the seats in the bar. So like, or every you know hour and a half, and then it'll move around. But it's built to a good cocktail bar. Be built to your music. Yeah. To build um, the cocktails that are around the music. So I find that to be Oh, that really full cool. experience, right? It really In is. In and outside the glass. 100%. Yeah. 100%. That's why I was like really excited today. I was like, <laughs> I do this all. I'm so happy. I You're just a little time. giddy, I think. I am. I, do. I, get, I get a little, <laughs> little starstruck. I love people that like, you know, you love what you do. So when you love what you do, it's obvious. You know? yep. It's contagious. It is. Yeah. And you get excited. Yeah. All right. I think this is you, Gina. This is my last question. This um, is the last question. Okay, this, this is funny. Right. You're going to die laughing when I pick great. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so everybody, you know, seems to identify these days with some sort of spirit animal. And they'll be like, you know, I identify with a hummingbird because, you know, they're zippy in and out. And, you know, they're known for their, like, low um, flutter of their, you know, the beats of the fluttering of their wings, right? If you can identify as one ingredient in cooking or cocktails or juice, whatever, what ingredient would you be and why? Love. Love, okay. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You know, every night my, my wife fixes a wonderful dinner. She likes to cook and I like to clean up. Uh, so it's kind of a fair division of labor, but I tell her, you know, every meal you make, sweetie, is filled with your love. And I think that's the most important ingredient in any cooking. All right, I'm crying. <laughs> We've never had anywhere near that. Yeah, I'm gonna never emotion. <laughs> also, Neil, are you listening to what he just said? I cook for you every night, <laughs> honey. <laughs> That's so sweet. That was amazing. Whoa. Well, on that one, I know we have to toast John on that one. You just stole the show. You shut it down. Cheers. 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 
The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a Latino-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, we craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, please don't forget to follow, download, and review the shows. Your reviews help our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.